Hello everyone and welcome back to the Three Guys Talk Football podcast, the podcast where three guys talk football. Um, I'm not going to do, you know, my usual spiel because we've been through this once before and I was disconnected and everything went wrong. So I'm afraid all the cracking jokes that we were putting together, um, they're gone, they're lost to the ether. But I'm George White, I'm joined by Nathan Morby. Hello, Nathan. Hello. And Chris King. Hello, Chris. Hello. Uh, it's a sad way to start the podcast. We had some absolutely insane bants, mainly at Nathan's expense. Um, <laughs> I won't drag him through it again. This, yeah. he's, he's got away with yeah, it this just, time. You have got away with yeah, it. Just, just insert, insert witty banter here. Yeah. <laughs> witty Liverpool relegation battle type banter here. Just a, with a few, okay. With a I'm getting back into it. I said I, I said I wouldn't. I apologise. Um, yeah, well, we're all here to drag United, right? That's that's how the week's gone. <laughs> then, um, yeah, I don't think anyone with an, even a slight interest in football has not dragged United over the past few days. Um, but we're going to take a more, you know, a more positive spin on it um, by trying to think about how we could fix the United problem rather than bashing them for the travesty that they are right now. Um, now. The way we're going to do that is by picking three realistic signings that we would sign if we were Eric Ten Hag or whoever's in charge of United signings. No one really knows at this point. It could be that devil mascot for all we know. Uh, it's all a bit of a mess, but whoever's in charge, if we're them, we can bring in three players, realistic, that could be signed over the next few weeks to try and start to fix this problem. Um we were talking off mic about how really, realistically, we want at least 11 players, probably a full 23-man squad. But for the time being, with the, you know, we can get a signing a week before the end of the transfer window. So we're going to start looking that way. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to give you 30 seconds. We'll go around one player each, three rounds, uh, and you get to do your elevator pitch to the board. Uh, go pure role play. Chris will like this. Okay, going back to the drama school days, um, and since oh, okay. Nathan, of, yeah, dra- of dra- drama school—that's that's the that's what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. So Nathan, since you actually said off mic that you'd taken the time to think about this question, uh, thank you for that. Yeah. Um, we're going to start yeah, with thank your you. Thank you for... first pick, uh, and I'm going to hit the stopwatch now and clock you out of thirty seconds if you. Did you have an actual stopwatch? It's already ticking, mate. It's already ticking. You're wasting time. You're wasting your own time, yeah. Uh, well, um, I think it's it's pretty obvious that they need a defender, um, but I'm kind of banking on the fact that I think Varane will eventually come good. Sort of Martinez and Varane, I think, long-term could actually be okay, but he doesn't need addressing right away. So I've gone for a full-back, and I've gone for a Lamperty from Brighton, mm. purely because I, I think he's he's young, um, and I think he offers... I think, obviously, like they've got one Bazaka, but... The biggest problem with him is that he doesn't oh, see that. So. That's okay. the end of it. One second can't attack, Lamperty can. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, that's interesting. I will bring it on to my first one then, in that case, because I also agree right back. Um, I've gone for Serginio Des, just because I think he'd be an easier one to nab because of Barcelona being in the state that they're in. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, similar situation in that I have done the stopwatch for myself. Don't worry, lads. I'm not being biased. Um, I think you can patch together some sort of centre-back partnership. And I just think that getting one that's good enough quality 
is going to be difficult at this point. Uh, and also, like you say, Wan-Bissaka is, is poor. Uh, he can't really do anything. So upgrading there is just an easier fix for that defence. But ideally, I'd change all of the back four. Yeah, Whew. entire back four, doesn't it? Yeah. Probably. I didn't have to clax myself there. Chris, you're up. Quick fire. First one, go. Well, my original answer to this was you need to replace the entire board. But then, having considered it for at least 15 seconds, um, I my pick is right back, and it's Matty Cash. Because he's at what, 25, linked to Atletico Madrid in the summer, um, can bomb on, can defend really well, all the things Aaron Wan-Bissaka can't do, and also got that Premier League experience, which will be vital for United to get players hitting the ground running. Oh, the timing there. That was magic. Uh, <laughs> and also a very good shout, actually. I, I would say I think Villa would struggle to get a replacement at this we point. We would. So they'd be reluctant to sell. Um, but, but I think, yeah, it'd be doable if you really if United really went for it. Well, that's where, that's my big money one. And then I've got two smaller money ones. Oh, we'll see. Hold your horses there, fella. Because it's Nathan Warby's second pick. Go. Uh, I've gone for kind of an obvious one in Declan Rice. Um, I think United have been crying out for a, a sort of holding midfielder that can actually hold uh, <laughs> they need, because they need to break up that Fred and McTominay partnership. Um, I was tempted by Ndidi from Leicester, but I think the way the uh, Ten Hag wants to play, he's the one that's good on the ball and can sort of, as I saw over the weekend, someone that can receive it, turn and play a pass. And I think Declan Rice can do that. Plus, like Chris said, Premier League experience. The price tag's a bit of a put off, but. They can afford it. Two seconds over there, but I'll let it slide. You, you, you just crept through. Um, yeah, that's an interesting one. I mean, obviously, Rice would be a dream one, uh, but I took the realistic focus of this question very seriously. So, again, same position, but looking much further down the ladder at Oriol Romeo from Southampton because I think Hassan Hootel's done with him. Um, which is quite a big big statement. But yeah, he's he's obviously not an incredible player, but United have been, like you say, screaming for someone to just sit in front of the defence. Just sit there. You know what I mean? They've got so many creative players. Let them do their thing. Just have a guy that's just going to sit and protect those that terrible defence. And Romeo's got Premier League experience for like a decade now. Um, he's a calm head. He's an easy choice. You can get him for probably £5 million. Uh, That would be my realistic pick in that position. Uh, Chris, you also gone for a holding midfielder, have, I imagine. Have I've gone for Conrad Lima. Um, so obviously, <laughs> um, obviously, Leipzig won't want to sell him to buy Munich. Um, he'll be a lot cheaper than Declan Rice. Um, still got all the aspects that they're you know looking for. Provides actual depth in that midfield that isn't just Fred and McTominay in tears. Um, and is like experienced player playing for a high pressure team which I think Declan Rice the issue there is that he's only played for West Ham and I, I know only played for West Ham West Ham fans will be raging but the step up to United is kind of insane yeah not so much from a kind of footballing viewpoint but um, just from, from a pressure fan fanboys yeah. Yeah, fan fanboys uh, fan base and yeah the global reach and everything that I agree because um, I do think that sometimes for England, he looks a bit startled in those bigger games, like yeah, in the Euros final, for example. Um, finally, Warby, your third signing, the guy that's going to get United the title, 
Who is it? Shut my mouth. Pelly, probably. Um, yeah, no, <laughs> I, I'm, a, I'm working on the basis that Ronaldo's probably on his way out, so I've gone for a striker in Jonathan David from Lille. Oh, um, yeah, because he's, he's 22 years old, so obviously he's got a lot of room to develop, but he's already kind of established himself as a goal scorer. Um, plus, like, he can play up front on his own and in a two, if need be, if Ronaldo did stay. Plus, um, probably most importantly, he can, like, he's quite well known for tracking back and working off the ball, which I think with the way that Ten Hag's trying to set up his team is, I think he'll fit in perfectly. That is one hell of a shout. Fair play on that front. Um, I have gone for another central midfielder because I think, like, Fred and McTominay both need to go. Uh, and I think if you have Romeo next to him, you can have a more creative player. I've gone for Tieleman just because I don't know how someone hasn't snapped him up already. I mean, you could get him for 30, 35 million this window because of the contract situation and because Leicester just need money to invest elsewhere. Um, and yeah, I know Arsenal have been tracking him for a while and they offer a more exciting project right now. But I think if United did pay up, they'd get him. I just think he'd provide that calm head in front of the defence. Uh, it would allow Christian Eriksen to go and play in the number 10, which, please, Ten Hag, stop making him play out from the edge of his box. It's, it's sad seeing him just get dunked on by his old team. Um, and, yeah, I think that midfield too is a much better pivot than what they've got at the moment. Um, I'm calling for a bit of extra time here, just to, you know, a bit of context for their lack of striker, because I agree they do need someone, because I do think Ronaldo is leaving. But at the same time, You've got Rashford there and Martial, both of whom haven't played striker enough, considering they're both strikers to me. I always think Rashford's better down the middle. I don't know if he's too scared to go down the middle. He doesn't want that responsibility. That's what it seems like to me. I think he'd much rather just stay out wide, get the ball every now and then, and just knuckleball it into a defender. But for me, with his pace and, and his size as well, he's... he's um, Deep up, yeah. Yeah, he's got strength, he's got pace, he's 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 a striker to me, so I would much rather put him up front, get Sancho or maybe Elanga on the wings, and like I say, for me, prioritising Ericsson at number 10 is just key, because he he's the, the most special player that they've got for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's crazy that they're not doing that right now. Rashford's such a weird one, because like I say, like, he, he looks like he's tailor-made to play through the middle, but I just don't think his finishing's quite good enough, or consistent enough, should I say. I think the uh, problem is that yeah. he's not playing regularly, like George says, it's never going to be good enough because he doesn't have that confidence to carry on. When he, when he first burst onto the scene and was playing in striker because it was the only position that they were able to play him, and he was bagging goals for, like, fun. Then, obviously, he had a couple of niggling injuries, never got to play there again. Obviously, the pressure of playing at United and then England and at, like, such a young age probably got to him a little bit. And being the main man now, that's... that's just, I, I wouldn't want that job if I was... If I was yeah. I feel like he just. I think. I think he benefits from space. I think he finds it easy to find that um, on the wing. You know, with obviously, especially nowadays where fullbacks are always going forward. I think he finds it easier to exploit that. But I feel like with, I feel like with, with, with the right coach and the right tactics, I feel like he could play through the middle. He could easily, yeah. especially how Ten Hag likes to play, where they drop deep and then flick onto the wingers. That that creates the space for him to then run into for cutbacks or crosses and then just dunking it in. Yeah, and yeah. Marshall, Marshall can get the bid. <laughs> I agree, yeah. One preseason does not make you a good player again. Um, but yeah, for me, Rashford this season needs to step up because he's running the risk of his career just kind of dissipating. Um, 
So that would be, for me, a good... Sometimes you just got to put someone in that position and make them step up if they're not doing it themselves. Like any left-back that isn't Luke Shaw, who's been at United for eight years. Eight years. How has that been allowed to happen? In, in all fairness, fair, he, he has had one good season in that time, so... <laughs> yeah, that was enough for him to, you know, play every game for England in a major tournament. Um, Chris, your final choice. Um, you've just slated Luke Shaw there. What's your solution at left back? It's got to be left back now. You set yourself up for this. Oh, no. Left back, isn't it? Go on, let's go. <laughs> it's definitely not a left back because, as much as I hate Luke Shaw, I hate the fact they don't have a striker more. Um, there's a couple of options that I've been toying with. Um, Tammy Abraham is obviously one because Jose Mourinho has just turned him into an absolute unit. And I think he's the most logical one, given that how Ten Hag likes to play with that like bigger like target man, hold-up play, all of that kind of stuff, but also can score goals. Um, the cheaper option is um, Raul de Thomas, who is the, I think, he's the second highest scorer in La Liga after Karim Benzema, or second or third. Um, so, yeah, obviously tailor-made for goals, which is what United are crying out for. So one of those two. I could, I really couldn't pick because they offer two very different things. Ideally, both. Do you know what I mean? But if I had to, yeah, if I had to pick, probably Tammy. What I would say is, I think Mourinho would sooner die than give a player to United. So uh, yeah, yeah but again, the realistic angle to the question just it is the, in that case. If it's the realistic one, RDT. If it's the like dreams, want to try and actually fix United Town. Do you think Tammy would press? Just out of curiosity. I think he would now, try. Try. if that makes sense. Do you know what I mean? I think he would these days. I think also as well, the whole argument of United need a striker to press, I think is based purely off the fact that Ronaldo seems to anti-press. Like, he aggressively won't press to the point that it's so painfully obvious. So I think even anyone just, like, jogging at a player would get, oh, my God, they're actually pressing. Do you know what I mean? I think, I think because because they've got such a void up front, like Chelsea last year with Lukaku, Um it's just, I think anybody coming in would immediately improve that. Yeah, I agree. And that is a beautiful way to end this United segment and move on to another team that might be facing United in the relegation battle. <laughs> um, at least that's how it looks at the moment, which is Everton. Uh, it's only two, two weeks in. But, um, yeah, a lot of people laying into Everton at the moment. And you can understand why. They, they didn't have a great time last season. And they haven't exactly wowed in the transfer market. Um, I think, personally, I think they've made some great signings defensively, which was needed. But, yeah, you do wonder where the goals are coming from. And um, I want to start with you, Chris. Obviously, Aston Villa beat Everton. Congratulations, yeah. by the way. Um, watching that game and taking that in, how did you find them? And... Are you even more worried than you were after game week one? Um, let's put it this way. The fact that we only scored two made me kind of depressed. Um, because Everton are really not good at the moment. They're really not in a good shape. And I think it's it's largely, in a similar kind of way to United, it's largely due to just sporadic, um, laboured, terrible transfers for like big money or like, whatever it was, like stupid money on Alex Iwobi. Um, Obviously, the ill-fated 50 million quid on Gilfie Sigurdsson. Like, these all add up. Do you know what I mean? And it's just ended up in a squad that is completely disjointed. Doesn't suit the manager that they were going for because they kept changing style of manager all the time. Um, 
you know, they've got a, pumped in a lot of money into the new stadium, which means that transfers limited, which is why we've seen people like James Tarkovsky coming in on free, Connor Cody coming on loan. Smart signings, don't get me wrong, but like you say, where are those goals coming from? And they looked completely bereft of ideas um, to the point they were just chucking Solomon Rondon on. Like, it's it's not 2000 and whatever it was and he doesn't play for West Brom anymore. Like, it's just, I don't know, it is, it's, as soon as that first goal went in, you knew they were out of the game. Like, Onana is like an apps. He is one like fresh spark in there that you can tell hasn't been depressed by being an Everton player for too long yet because he was like driving forward with the ball. Obviously, if Chelsea managed to get Anthony Gordon, that's another hammer blow because he is their number nine at the moment until Calvert Lewin comes back. And it's, I think they've, they've reinforced at centre back when they didn't need to because they already had like six centre backs. It's not the club's fault they're not good enough. Like, you've got to deal with what you've got when you've got no strikers. That surely has to be the priority, especially when you're facing relegation. I mean, look at, you know, look at Burnley for years. Like, yeah, they had good defence record, but as soon as the goals dried up, they went down. I uh, just, I do, I really worry for Everton, especially when you see how for, how well Forest are doing. The fact that Fulham managed to nick points off Liverpool could actually maybe do something. Leeds look like they're okay. I don't know. It's just. Yeah, that bottom six is like a little cluster all on its own in Everton. As much as I think Frank is actually doing a good job, I think Lampard is doing a, a, a good job with what he's got. I know he's getting a lot of stick for arguably not not a good good enough reason, in my opinion, because he's ultimately doing the best with what he can. Like the, the dark arts sides of the game that we, me and you have spoken about off, off, off podcast, if you will. Um, but like... He's, he's got to do it because it's, it's all he can do with a squad that, let's be honest, is like barely championship. And Nathan, as a Liverpool fan, are you relishing this uh, absolute mess that's going on right now? Or would you miss him if they went down? How, how do you feel about it all? I mean, yeah, it's quite funny. Fair. <laughs> um, no, I think I think because I'm, I'm a Liverpool fan, not from Liverpool, like I, I don't have the same sort of like hatred towards Everton. So like, Obviously, I, like, I love when we beat them, but um, I actually don't want to see them go down. And I, I kind of I agree and disagree with Chris to an extent. I don't think the squad is championship quality. I think I think that's actually ultimately what's going to save them, the fact they've got so many sort of established Premier League players in there. Um, and I think signing Conor Cody and Tchaikovsky, I think they're going to pay dividends later down the line. Um, I think ultimately it's, it's, yeah, it's just where the goal's going to come from. Um, I know Calvert Lewin. How long is he out for? Is he three, is it, three to four months? Yeah, that's gonna be a, that's gonna be a big miss. And not Basically replacing with Charleston. Yeah, yeah. So not not replacing with Charleston. I think might might have changed things. I know they've got Dwight Neal, who I think's quality like creative player, but he's not he's not going to pop up with 10, 12 goals a season. Um, so I think that's a that's gonna be a big miss. I think they need to bring somebody in um, in the next three weeks. But I. By championship quality, what I mean by that, as well, just to kind of caveat that, is they are established Premier League players, and I do agree with that, but like all of the good ones that were carrying that team aren't there anymore or are injured. And it's like what's left is a bunch of high-profile pro- high names that we all recognise, but that if you actually look at them individually, they are... Not like not cohesively a unit enough to drag them through. Like probably individually, if you put them in all in different teams, they are Premier League quality. And you're like, you know, Dwight McNeil is definitely Premier League quality. Tarkovsky, Cody, 
upsettingly Pickford, but do you know what I mean? Like you put them all together and they're so bereft of confidence or cohesion that they're just they're go they're going to go to a championship level if they carry on playing the way they're playing, is what I'm trying to say. Um they're not necessarily skill wise a championship thing. But if you look at Brentford, they've got technically worse players, but much better team cohesion. Yeah, for sure. I, I just think like I, I think I think long term just the sheer quality of the players will mean that they'll be okay. Because I think, like, like I don't particularly rate it where it would be, but I think he's probably played his best football for Everton, which, as mad as that sounds, um, Tomorrow Gray started off last season really well and then sort of tailed off as the rest of the team did. Um, the other thing that I think will be interesting to see is, obviously, they kind of sort of scraped through the end of last season. I think because they got sucked into that relegation battle and then all the fans got behind them, so I think, I think the fans sort of dragged them through in the end because there was like, all that thing weren't the way they... They were like the fans were going to greet the coach before it turned up and all that sort of stuff. Um, so it'd be interesting to see how they how they do without that sort of from scratch again. But no, I, I think I don't think it'll be a good season for them, like especially if they don't bring in a striker to replace uh, Richardson and cover Calvert Lewin. But I think ultimately they'll I, I still see them maybe finishing thirteenth, fourteenth by the end of the year. I think some of the, some of the sides that have come up, I don't think they'll sort of maintain the form that they're showing so far. Like I don't think Fulham will. Fulham aren't no. gonna play like Fulham aren't gonna play like they did against Liverpool every week. Um Forest aren't gonna play like that every week. Leeds still leak goals like it's not even funny. Um so I think ultimately I think I think ultimately they'll, they'll be okay. Um but yeah I agree I think I think Lampard's actually doing given given what he's got and how bad the owners are there, I think he's actually doing a pretty decent little job. I th- I think they're getting relegated. I really do. I think they'll panic sack Lampard in November, get Claudio Ranieri and all something nonsense, and then just end up spiraling towards relegation. Uh, stinks, uh, stinks, a just... big, stinks a big stand on it. Stinks a big stand in January. <laughs> but you know what I mean. There's just there's no plan whatsoever, and I I don't see that changing. I think it'll be Fulham, Everton, and Bournemouth. I really do. I think Forest will survive. Sorry? You think Forest will stay? I think Forest will survive, yeah. I think they've bought smart enough. And I think they've they've got a good enough manager. Because if you look at if you look at the points total that Cooper came from to get them to where they are, um and he's a very, very intelligent coach. I think I think they'll be fine. And I don't think they're gonna pull the trigger on him when things ine- inevitably do go wrong. Oh yeah, they'll for a little bit. They'll stick with him, definitely. Yeah, exactly, and that 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 is what will save them. Whereas Everton are like a granny in B and M; they just panic at the first sign of trouble. Is that a thing? Do grannies panic in B and M? I imagine they do. I don't know. I've, I imagine seen, the granny, I've seen the granny panic in B and M. I'll back you on this. <laughs> <laughs> not my best analogy, but you know what I mean. I think so. What what does what does George think? See, I've we watched on for a while. I can't not back Frank, um, even though I didn't back Frank towards the end of his time at Chelsea. I still would have just followed us if he got us relegated. Um, I think last season was actually a bigger test for me because he came into the situation um, and it was an absolute mess. Whereas this time he has had a pre-season. I think people have been a little bit dramatic about the two games as well so far because they have... You know, they're not necessarily games Everton would have expected to get anything from. 
before the season started, especially with, you know, pre-Bournemouth loss Villa. You wouldn't have expected Everton to beat them. I think, the yeah, the bigger tests will come. I do agree. It all depends on whether they get some sort of striker. I mean, I think Michy Batshuayi will be heading that way. Uh, that's what I reckon will happen, especially if we are after Gordon uh, for crazy money. Um, and he could do a job. And it's that kind of lower-pressure job because you don't want someone coming in to replace Calvert-Lewin necessarily, even though if he keeps missing months at a time, you might have to. But he's just that sort of emergency player. He's done it before for uh, Palace and come in and done a job. Obviously at Dortmund, he was really good. He's done one in Turkey as well. Um, and yeah, he, he knows the Premier League at this point. You can basically get him on loan or free, probably, on a permanent at this point. Um, and yeah, he's that sort of wild card striker that you kind of need in a relegation scrap. But I, I think they'll be fine. I don't I don't see them going down. I think if they were going to go down, it would have been last season because it truly looked like they were going to. Until that win against Chelsea, I genuinely thought they were screwed. But I think... They were, they were spiralling towards the end of that. Yeah. But I think, like you say, they have something that other teams don't have, which is Goodison Park to tap into. And from what I've heard, Everton fans love Frank for what he did last season. And he seems to get the culture of the club and things like that. And that makes a big difference. I think it gives managers more time. I do. I think it's, I do get what people are saying about Goodison Park and all of that. I just, I don't know why I can just feel a panic sacking. Do you know what I mean? I, I could see it. I could say I just don't. Yeah. I think I think I think saving grace is that the performances haven't been woeful. This no, they've been in games. George, like, you you and George aren't wrong. They have they have been in both games, um, and I think that is down purely to Frank's sheer shit houseery. Um, in all honesty, but I, I don't know. I, I think like as, as that like as, as silly as it sounds, like for all the problems I had last season, like I, I, I've got their like the start level up from last week, and. I reckon they're a striker and probably another midfielder away from actually having a, a decent, a decent side. It's those margins, though, isn't it? It's whether they can get them in. That that is that is ultimately what this hangs on. If they get them in, I'm, I'm obviously going to be wrong. And yeah, for sure, tough. for sure. Um, yeah. Plus, um, like, don't wrong. I'm not expecting this to happen. We, I think when you've got someone like Deli Ali on the bench, he is like what what he is kind of like the wild card that George said, but like for a midfielder, like he. He's done nothing for the last like what three years. He doesn't look like doing anything, but he could produce <laughs> something. That's enough dragging Everton. I can see Chris revving up for another twenty minutes, but um, we'll, <laughs> we'll spare them right now uh, and wrap up quickly with some fantasy football updates. Uh, we're going to dive into more stuff, but my internet is dying uh, for some reason. So apologies for that, everyone. But we're going to wrap up with talking basically about how we did in the last game week. Um, not a good one for me. It, I still got above average points, but apparently we've yeah, just like, become that's... absolute terminators at fancy Premier League over the past few weeks. Um, and yeah, Nathan, to the top. How have you done it? Tell us your secrets. Um, um, through something that on paper looks like it was pure genius, but was actually a bit of a mistake. Uh, I captain Cancelo, which sounds like genius, you know, 22 points, solid. But uh, I changed him last minute from Gabriel Jesus, which is stupid of me. I don't know why I didn't back him, especially against Leicester at home. Um, that was a, yeah, that was a 
a poor decision. But uh, I think, um, like, I don't know, I, I, I'm still backing my team for now. I th- like, I've, I've got two transfers in the bank, but I'm still really hesitant to use them. I don't, like, I'm just not really... You, you, like when you've got two transfers in the bank, like you're like itching to just do something. But I think, I think I might be alright. The only player that I'm thinking about taking out is Neto because he hasn't even looked like doing anything in the last two games, and I feel like I could maybe, maybe upgrade yeah. him. Wolves are a weird one. They look like they were like changing their formation and stuff to get the best out of their attackers in pre-season, and then like now they're back in the Premier League. It just looks like they've reverted to type and just been like clean sheets, lads. Let's just <laughs> clean sheets. Yeah, this thing is like, and, and he's worth he's worth five and a half mil, and I've got. Uh, one and a half in the bank, so I, I can. Ooh, I can't. Yeah, but like the only, the only, the only guy that's really sort of speaking to me is Zaha, which obviously I'm still a bit triggered. I'm, I'm still a bit triggered from last night, so I'd rather not go into it too much. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it's uh, so far so good. All, all is well in in Waffleville. So, how about you, Chris? How are you standing at this point? I feel like it was a decent week for you. Yeah, it was a decent week. Um, obviously, wildcarded last week. Um, brought in quite a few City players. Um, Haaland, most importantly. Uh, really irritatingly, though, my bench outperformed three players. So if I'd just had them, I would have I would have been in front of Nathan by a good like fifteen points. But never mind. Um, I've learnt my lesson of doubt in Brentford. Um, and I've got I, I I need to get where Nathan's at and have two two transfers in the bank so I can get Kukurela and um Ivan Tony. That's the dream. That is the dream. Yeah, I could I could have been smarter, but Luca Dean's just annoyed me that much. And also your fixture list is pretty scary for me. Oh it's it oh mate, don't I wanna cry. Yeah, so my big spot was taking him out and bringing in Emerson Royale. For Spurs, because then their next four or five games is just crazy easy. Like I can see clean sheets everywhere, especially with Conte. He's not going to be happy that he's conceded three goals in two games, so I think they're going to iron that out. Um, so, yeah, just getting those clean sheet points. He's not necessarily going to score goals or anything or even create assists, but clean sheets, man. If you get a, a, a defender that plays the full 90 clean sheets, that's six, seven points guaranteed each each week. It's, I put in... Uh, Right, Nori from Wolves, and yeah, Wolves attacking wise, not worth your time. But defensively, I might just pack out all, all four or five defenders of Wolves at this. So we shall see how that goes. It's it's an interesting one. It feels like it's quite close in this league. It's, hopefully, it'll be more competitive than last season when Nathan just rinsed us by game week twenty. So we I think we're see. I think we're all like aware of it and also i think the benefit is the world cup in the middle with the other two transfers i think that's really gonna help a lot of people um that might not necessarily like might get left behind um whereas kind of being able to being able to swap in like what is it it's not even like three months away now um it's just it's just crazy isn't it and also that that fixture list in october is going to be make or break for a lot of people because there's going to be shed loads of injuries Yeah, the nice thing is you get that free wild card, really, to just treat yourself over the next few weeks if you fancy it. You know, if you have one bad week, you can just wild card it just for two or three transfers, which is quite nice. And that's why I haven't necessarily saved them up. Um, although it really all depends on how Sterling does over the next couple of weeks on whether I wild card or not, because he costs a decent amount. Um, he got an assist last game, but assists don't really mean much. Um so he needs to start scoring, otherwise. So it's what, a are, 
Sterling's one of those players in it where like like they'll play well in the match, but they don't get any points, and like ultimately it all, it's all about just the goals. It's, it's why I'm thinking about triple captain Salah against United. I'm I'm, str- I'm, I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about triple capping Jesus against Bournemouth. I'm not gonna lie, but then I'm like, yeah, oh, three six and a half foot defenders against Jesus. Are they gonna dribble past them? Maybe. I don't know. I think if it was Bournemouth at home, I think I'd be tempted. But I think away. Yeah. Um, yeah. It might like I feel like they might be able to. Keep also the ti- the tiny pitch as well. That's the that's the problem with the vitality. Arsenal are not gonna play well as well. Sorry, they're gonna, obviously they're gonna play well at Arsenal, um, which feels weird to say. But um, I don't know. Their their passing triangles and stuff on a smaller pitch doesn't doesn't fill me with joy. What does fill us with joy though is the fact that if you're still here, you've listened to the whole episode. Especially with technical difficulties aplenty, which is irritating to say the least. But we did it. We're here, uh, and we will be back soon to talk about some big games coming up. Um, some big moments in fantasy football and probably some more dunking on United after Liverpool win their first game against them. Uh, so. big, it's a big game, that. That is a big game, actually. That is a, that is a scary big game. Now. Relegation yeah. clash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, if you look at the table right now. No. I mean, um, to, be, to be fair, now, neither of you can defend at the minute, so... It's a dream fantasy football-wise. It's a great yes. job of one player from that game. um anyway until then we will catch up about it all and have a great week enjoy the football and enjoy life bye